It's the JT The Brick Show. They get the snap off. Hand off Jacobs. That's the first down of the goal. 15, 10, 5, touchdown Raiders! Broadcasting live from the Finley Cadillac Performance Studio. Raiders bring a blitz. He is smothered and brought down. Max Crosby came around for the sack. Your silver and black home to sound off for over 20 years. Snap to car in the shotgun. Back to pass. Climbs the pocket. Eyes downfield. Fires a strike to Devontae at the 25. Breaks away 20. 15, 10, 5. Dives. Touchdown, Raiders. And now, here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back, everybody. JT in Vegas. Sun's out today. I know some rain's coming behind it. Our listeners in the Bay Area, Los Angeles, who have been dealing with the floods and the rain and all of that, and we've been getting a little bit of it here. We don't get a lot of rain here in Vegas. We barely get any rain here in Vegas, but we got some rain before. Some's coming in this weekend, and be safe out on the road there. We appreciate everybody who's listening. We're doing a Derek Carr tribute show today. That came because Derek put out a statement to the Raider Nation, which is basically his goodbye. You saw it by now if you haven't. I read it earlier. You can find it on all social media platforms of Derek Carr, and it was well thought out. He's a man of faith. He thanks the organization, his teammates. His heart is broken that it didn't end the way he wanted it to end, and he seems that's going to be what fires him up going forward. When Derek said he was going to play for the Raiders and no one else, I believe he meant that because he was probably going to play 14, 15 years for the Raiders, eventually win a Super Bowl, In the coming years, because he didn't win one in his first nine, I think Derek believed he would have the chance, no matter who the coach was, to be the face of the franchise and keep that status with the Raiders, and that's not the case. So there's no doubt that Derek is hurting. He's hurting in a big way. Again, I talked about financially he's set for life. So a lot of other people have much bigger problems than Derek Carr. I mean, real problems in the world today. Just look around. My wife always tries to frame that well for me. When I'm kind of blanking and moaning about something, look around you. Look around you. Don't be tone deaf. And Derek's got a lot to be blessed for, and he's a man of faith. But it is tough to have four kids at that age, very, very young kids, and have to uproot them and move to another city, New Orleans, New York, Carolina, wherever it is, wherever he ends up. You know, his kids are going to get there and have brand-new friends for the rest of their lives, where they could have had brand-new friends when they were 12, 14, 16 out here. I think of that. And I think of that with every coach and every player in every sport when they have to leave. There's been many Raider coaches that have left and are now coaching in the league on other teams I keep in touch with. And they're good guys, and they really love their time with the Raiders because it's an iconic brand and franchise with a notorious fan base. And at, at some point, they all go. Good example, Phil Villapiano always tells the story that when Al Davis, Al Davis and the Raiders, and the L.A. move, and what was happening around all of that, Phil Villapiano wasn't happy about it. And he made it clear to the media, made it clear, Phil. And Phil's a legend, and he was a hell of a player. All right, Phil was not a practice squad guy. Phil was one of the great Raider defenders of all time. And he made it clear that he wasn't happy with Mr. Davis and the decisions at that time. So Mr. Davis put together a trade to Buffalo and actually called Phil and said, hey, what do you think about this player? You know, I think they were talking about Bobby Chandler. They were having the conversation, and Phil says, yeah, good guy, good guy. He goes, well, good. I traded him for you. And Phil ended up going to Buffalo, and if you look at Phil Villapiano's life, they do a lot of stories about Phil on NFL Network. He ended up going to Buffalo. He had a couple of good years left, and at the end of his career, the very end, Phil Villapiano for the Buffalo Bills 
went out to the 50-yard line for every game as the only captain on that team. And you see him against the Jets, and it's Mark Gastineau, and there's other guys. It's just Phil. What an honor that the Buffalo Bills thought that highly of him. But Phil comes back, and he's known as an iconic Raider. He's a Buffalo Bill, and he was a good player, but he's known as a Raider. I think Derek Carr is going to be known as a Raider. The only way that will change if he wins a Super Bowl with another team. And I'd like to see the Raiders win a Super Bowl before Derek Carr does, but Derek could have an opportunity to be in a good situation coming up here. He has a no-trade clause, which he and his agent negotiated, and they negotiated that contract where they knew there was an out every year. And we did a nice job talking about that contract when he signed it, that there was going to be outs to it, and maybe that, that's not a guaranteed three-year deal. And it lasted one year, and it didn't even last to the last two games, even though he's still paid. You know, he's under the roof of the Raiders financially now. So I think it's going to be interesting to see in the coming months or coming weeks or coming days where he ends up or agrees to terms with. So we're going to talk about Derek. Also, I got some picks against the spread coming up here. We are making some picks. I'm going to move them. The lines have moved since we talked to Jeff Sherman. And a lot of that has to do with Lamar Jackson and Tua. I'll get to that next. And then the entertainment reporter in town, the king of gossip and news and entertainment, Johnny Katz, at the bottom of the hour to lighten it up a bit here. Hardcore Raider, thanks for waiting. You lead us off this hour. Go ahead. Hey, JT. Uh, you know, I'm a firm believer in uh, self-accountability, you know, and although I've been critical of Derek Carr, you know, looking at his body of work and everything that he did for the organization, all the rebuilds, the coaching, I mean, I truly feel like the leadership uh, failed, you know. I feel like the leadership did let Derek Carr down. Um, I think any player that would have stuck with the team like Derek did from the move from Oakland to Vegas, and, and that alone, along with everything else, would have probably gave up. I think 98% of guys out there would have gave up. So the heart that Derek Carr put on the field, uh, everything he did, as hard as he tried, some of my greatest memories will always be as Derek Carr as quarterback, going back to 2017, the uh, Chiefs game where uh, Crabtree caught the touchdown. It was like mm-hmm. three different tries. We finally won that game. And then, uh, you know, last year, of course, the uh, Charger game. And then 2018, uh, last game of the year is like Christmas Eve or second to last game. That was 2018 uh, where we thought that was mm-hmm. going to be last year in Oakland. And Derek Carr went around, slapped everybody's hands. I was blessed enough to be at that game. First game I ever took my family to, my kids. And uh, I got to slap Derek Carr's hand. So I just want to say mm. to him as a man, uh, I wish him the best. Uh, I know he's got a good heart, and I think I think his uh, future is really bright wherever he goes. And sometimes a fresh start can be good for people, you know. But there is accountability besides Derek Carr's career of the Raider organization that I felt didn't do enough for Derek Carr at times. So, you know, that, mm. there's that part of it, too. I always try to be real. So Yeah, uh, I don't have a problem with that. Love him. Thank you. Appreciate the call. I, I don't disagree with you. I think at that times, with all the change within the organization and the coaches, and these were tough decisions at the time, too, Derek had too many head coaches. He had too many head coaches, and he had too many offensive coordinators. And you look at the stability that you've seen over the year with the Pittsburgh Steelers and Mike Tomlin. You don't even know who the offensive coordinator is. You really don't care. Mike Tomlin's a head coach. He never gets let go. His teams are always better than 500. They won one Super Bowl. There's constant stability. Well, Derek hasn't had that. There's been a lot of changes because the teams that Derek led, he's the face of the franchise in Oakland, couldn't win. So they didn't fire Derek. Do we all get that? They didn't fire Derek year after year when they couldn't win. They fired the coaches. They let go of the coordinators. So I like to dip that show in reality, too. 
that I'm pro Derek Carr. I don't think he was really the problem. But I've always told you that there are better quarterbacks than him. And now we have an opportunity to talk about that and not rub Derek's nose in it. Not sit here every day and go, who's better than him? He stinks. Derek was no good. No, we're not doing that. We're doing the opposite. We're talking about how excellent Derek Carr was as a human being and a football player. But there are better players than him. We had a caller last hour, if you didn't hear it. You know, what was the game? A couple of callers said it was the Pittsburgh game. The Pittsburgh game was the reason why Derek isn't here. I disagree. I think the reason why Derek isn't here is he no longer was mobile in a league where you have to be mobile. And if you are mobile, like Jared Stidham, you're nowhere near as mobile as Patrick Mahomes and Lamar Jackson. So Derek had no mobility at the end of his run with the Raiders, little to none. I mean, stepping up in the pocket, extending the play. Yeah, he could do that. But there was a lot of time where there was 10, 15, 20 yards of green grass or turf in front of Derek. And he didn't tuck and run. He didn't do it. He either threw it out of bounds or threw a 50-50 ball. And I think that's one of the things they evaluated is his lack of mobility. Now, if they bring in Tom Brady, please remind me I said that. Because if Tom Brady comes in here with no mobility, Tom Brady can get away with it. He's one of the only quarterbacks of all time that could get away. Peyton Manning and Tom Brady didn't have much mobility, but they were Peyton Manning and Tom Brady. And everybody knows what I'm talking about there. You got to have a mobile quarterback going forward. You have to have a mobile quarterback in this division with Mahomes. Look what Mahomes just did at Allegiant. Look at the way he makes plays with his legs. The Raiders got to get into that marketplace unless they get Tom Brady. If they don't get Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers is much more mobile and better than Derek. And these quarterbacks coming out of college are much more mobile and better at the same age than Derek was. And Derek was very good at Fresno State. Thor in Vegas, black hole for life. And uh, what's happening, Thor? How are you? Did you do a podcast on this yet? What's happening, my brother? What's happening, man? Um, You know, everyone knows how I feel about Derek Carr. It's not so great as of the last few years. However, he was a Raider for nine years, and and I got nothing but love for him for that. I'm excited, though. I'm excited for what's new. I mean, we've had the same old stuff for years. I understand Derek Carr got maybe the raw end of the deal with the coaching coordinator changing every other season or whatever however life isn't always fair you to me i have no time for excuses i just want to win so 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 the excitement of what is new and hopefully gets us to being a winning franchise again Mm -hmm. for playoff wins for super bowl wins i'm excited to see that um you you can't stay in the same place forever Mm -hmm. and expect things to change um, so, so I'm excited. I do wish Derek Carr well, um, in his personal life, not in his football life because he won't be on our team. So I only want the Raiders to win. Okay. I get that Thor. Good to talk to you, buddy. Uh, nicely said all the calls tonight, pretty much all of them, but one have been very, very positive about wishing Derek well. And that's what we tried to accomplish today. So we want to get you in here. Johnny Katz at the bottom of the hour. We've got a short week next week. We're off Monday for Martin Luther King day. Wednesday, I'm heading out to Florida to see my mom and dad. Haven't seen them. They're in their mid-80s. I'm looking forward to seeing my parents. So we got one show next week on Tuesday. So I'm trying to get a lot in today and Tuesday.
As of today, Tua has not been cleared by doctors to resume football activities on the field with his teammates. So because of that and because of the time that he's missed, I can rule him out for Sunday. Welcome back. That's head coach Mike McDaniel of the Dolphins. And this Tua story absolutely fascinates me. Fascinates me. It might not fascinate you. I am fascinated by the status of Tua, if he's able to play or not. We're brought to you by Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas. I was there last night at the Shag Room. and a buddy in, my, in town for an SAP convention. And we went to one steakhouse to see the great John O'Donnell at the bar. Had some appetizers, a couple of cocktails, and listened to some live music. And again, I go to Virgin a lot because of the music and the restaurants. I'll head on out to Virgin Hotels, Las Vegas, where we'll be doing a lot with them this year. Okay, a couple of things. Let me get back to Tua for a second because I want to spend some time. We're doing a lot of Derek Hard today for obvious reasons. If you're joining us late, Derek uh, put out a goodbye pretty much to the Raider Nation, and I thought it was very heartfelt. And from callers to people on Twitter, uh, the majority of it is very positive. As I said earlier, any human being, anyone who takes something like that and goes into the comments and has something negative to say at Derek Carr, you are an outright low-life, pathetic person. You look at some of the comments on some of this stuff. First off, you don't have to comment. You could just look at it and say, wow, Derek Carr is saying goodbye to Raider Nation. Uh, That's pretty cool. That's very heartfelt. He's a man of faith. He he said great things, and then people got to go into the comments and talk about third down percentage and this and that and the way he, he handled this contract with the language and all that. It's remarkable to me, a, a remarkable to what people will do on social media that they'll never be able to do to someone's face. So, again, I digress. I mentioned that earlier in the show. It just drives me crazy. But uh, Derek's going to have a lot of options. And I keep going back, for me, with Derek, of the memories I've had with him up in Napa where he would come out after practice and sit down with me outside. We had a table set up in Napa where the Raiders would practice up there for training camp, and we'd get an interview every year from him, just like we did with John Gruden or Jack Del Rio or whoever the coaches were at that time when they were up in Oakland and they were training in Napa. And Derek would come out after practice about a half hour later and after meetings, and they'd bring him out, and we'd sit down and talk and really have cool conversations. I also remember family day. Up at Napa when uh, Derek, has, his kids were even younger. Before he had all the kids that he had now, he'd bring the kids out. Then after practice, he'd get on the grass with them and play around and throw them the football and hand it off to him. Derek grew up inside the Raider organization, and so did his kids. His kids, his wife, have been around the organization. And whenever you see it, my wife always points out his kids because my wife follows Derek's wife, I guess, on Instagram, whatever it is. The cutest kids. The boys look great. They're always in their car jerseys at the game, on the field, and I wish him well. He's a great dad, a great husband, a tremendous, tremendous human being. He's trending today on social media. NFL Network's talking about him all day as this trade's available, and what will the Raiders get in return for the trade? It is kind of complicated. You know, I'm suggesting, and everybody is, that the Raiders could get something for him. They're not going to probably get a first-round pick, but you never know. You never know what team is just going to look and call Dave Ziegler and say, hey, run this by Derek because Derek has a no-trade clause. We'd like to have him in Indy. We would like to have Carolina. I think that Indianapolis and Carolina are the best bets. Who am I to say about his lifestyle? I don't, I don't know where Derek wants to live. You know, Miami, I heard Miami thrown out today. 
well, why not? Miami live on the beach, be the quarterback for the Dolphins if they don't go with Tua, which I'll get back to in a second. I think the best fit for Derek is Indy or probably Carolina or New Orleans. New Orleans is a great place. Look at the lifestyle. Drew Brees lives pretty much year-round in San Diego and spends a lot of time in New Orleans because he's an icon, and he's an icon in New Orleans after Hurricane Katrina and everything that he's done there. But Drew Brees' kids play flag football and live in North County, San Diego, and Derek's got a beautiful home out here in Vegas. I don't know if he's going to keep it or stay here or what he's going to do, but uh, his kids are his priority. And he's going to go to another city and play and play at a high level. And those kids are going to go to school there and make friends there and grow up there. And that's what's been tough about this scenario with professional sports is all of a sudden you cut the cord and all the people that you're around, you're not around them unless you go on vacation or see them in the off season. And then you got to get your kids in school and you got to move to another part of the country. And I'm sure you're saying, well, that's not a problem if you make $40 million a year. Yeah, you're right. Private schools, you're able to travel private jets if you want you're able to do whatever you want and see your family that quick with the snap of a finger i get it but you know this if you're a parent what it's like with kids that young to have to move them uproot them make new friends or start their lives because they're so young to make the friends they're going to have for the rest of their lives in a different city so that's something that weighs on me and something i think about with derek and his wife and his family because they've been really good to the community here to their local church to everything they've done to try to help out other people who need help. So, again, I'm, I'm, I'm encouraged by most of what we've seen today with Derek Carr. And I was talking to another Raider fan today, earlier before the show. It's like, leave the guy alone, man. Wish him well. How hard is it to wish people well who entertained you, brought you joy? Yeah, there's ups and downs. There's highs and lows. There's moments that you want to throw something at the TV when there's an interception. I get that. But there are other times where you look at the human factor. You look at the human factor and you say, I can't believe I'm so enraged as a fan at a human being who I don't know, who's a really good guy and is playing professional sports and you, you blur the lines. Don't blur the lines with Derek Carr. Wish him well. How many times have we said that? Once a Raider, always a Raider. And wish him well. He's done great things. This guy's going to come back here decades to come the way we used to see Daryl LaMonica when he was alive, when the snake who was away from the organization and came back. There will be a point. I don't know what they're doing with the Hall of Fame or the Ring of Honor or retiring jerseys and numbers. That's way off into the future. That's a Mark Davis decision. But Derek Carr has played a massive role in the history of the Oakland and now Las Vegas and L.A. Raiders in this organization. So, again, if you're on Twitter, Give him a thumbs up or wish him well. And don't go into the comments and drag him and make him feel. I'm not saying he's looking at the comments. Maybe his brother is, his wife is, his agent. I don't know. But I just find it reprehensible that anybody can go on social media and say anything bad about this guy when he puts out something heartfelt. What does that say about you if you do that? And I know the majority of you don't do it. But it just uh, it's just amazing to me. All right, let's look at those lines. You heard about, I just mentioned Tua. The line on this now is wild. We had Jeff Sherman on. And when we had Jeff Sherman on yesterday, or was it? Yeah, it was Tuesday. We had Jeff Sherman on to go over the lines. The Miami-Buffalo game has now moved even more. Opened up at 11. Currently, it is at 13 at the Westgate because two is not playing in the game. And 13 is a lot of points, especially within the division and a rivalry here. But I think Buffalo will cover it. I don't think Miami can keep up with Buffalo. It's just a question, will Buffalo call off the dogs if buffalo's up 21 in this game 
and all of a sudden Miami wants to run the ball and run in a late touchdown and go for two, it's a question, can Buffalo cover that big spread? I don't think there's anybody who doubts the fact that Buffalo is going to win the game, but 13 is a big number, and I don't know. Maybe it goes off. Maybe this game goes off on Sunday, 13 and a half. I don't think it'll get to 14. 13 is a very interesting number there. So I like Buffalo. I think that number's too big, and Miami probably covers that spread. Uh, the other moving lines on Saturday, the early game is going to be Seattle and San Francisco. That opened at 10. It's still at 9.5 everywhere. I believe WinBet has it at 10, but mostly at 9.5 here across the strip as we've talked about that game. Again, I believe San Francisco's the much better team. I think they'll win easily, but if Geno has a good game and he's checking down and running, that's the other thing. Remember, when Jarrett Stidham almost beat the 49ers and everybody, the Raiders shocked the world with their performance against the 49ers, it was because of Jarrett Stidham playing free outside the pocket and running the football. Well, Geno can run, and Geno's big, and Geno's hard to bring down. So I think the only chance that Seattle has in this game is a great performance from Geno, and he's had a few this year, and Geno's going to have to run the ball. I'm rooting for Jacksonville over the Chargers for obvious reasons. That number is either a two or two and a half. I stay with the Westgate line at two and a half. Look, Jacksonville, Jacksonville's going to do one of two things. They just had a playoff game. They beat Tennessee. It was a pure playoff game. Winner move forward, loser go home. They won that game. And that energy in Jacksonville was the energy of a playoff game. It was a really good energy there. Can they sustain that again? Are they happy to be there? Are they happy to be home, sleeping in their beds? Are they motivated? Does Jacksonville really think they can go on a Super Bowl run? They don't. They don't believe they can go on a Super Bowl run. But their talent's better. And the Chargers depending on how Herbert plays and Derwin James, but we know Bosa's not at 100%. We definitely know Mike Williams isn't at 100%. I think the Chargers are the better team. I'm rooting hard for Jacksonville. Uh, Chargers minus two and a half. I think the Chargers win the game, even though I'm rooting heavy against them because they're just better than Jacksonville and they're going to avenge the loss. They got blown out, blown out by Jacksonville earlier in the year. And then the Giants-Minnesota, that's my upset special. I think the Giants played so well in that last game. Minnesota won on a 60-plus yard field goal. I think it was 61 yards to win that game with no time left on the clock. Uh, Giants were fortunate enough to rest Daniel Jones, who's, I think, in the same boat as Geno Smith. How could he run? This is Daniel Jones, possibly his last game with the Giants. It's not a lock that they're going to renew him. It's not a lock that they want to pay him top five franchise tag him. If he has a great game here and beats Minnesota and wins a playoff game for the Giants, he's going nowhere. And I think the strength of him is he's got to run the football. Baltimore-Cincinnati is also a mess. That line open at six. It's at nine and a half. I wouldn't be surprised if it goes to ten with the talk of Lamar Jackson. This is going to get good. This is a really good offseason topic with him without a contract. I'm shocked he's not playing in this game or trying to play in this game. It looks like he's not going to play. And we'll see what the injury report says going into this game. But why wouldn't he go out there and play if he was at 60, 70%? Well, the answer is obvious. He doesn't have a contract. If he blows out his ACL or a meniscus tear, he doesn't have a contract. And there's no way he's going to make the money from Baltimore, at least. Maybe another team will give him the money as he's rehabbing an injury. But that's a costly move for him and his family. And I understand that there. I expect Cincinnati to win. But Baltimore's defense is always good, and that's a rivalry game. So I expect Baltimore to cover. And then we get to Tampa Bay with Brady 7-0 and against Jerry Jones. I say 7-0 and against Jerry Jones because Dallas has had different players over the course of Brady's run against him. But Jerry Jones has been the owner 
and his nemesis is Tom Brady. So Tampa Bay now, the number opened up uh, Dallas minus three. It's there at two and a half. I think there's a lot of people waiting for that number to get back to three. Uh, I want to see Tampa Bay lose because I want the Brady discussion to be Brady in the mix coming to Vegas. I'm not hiding behind that. I would love to see Tom Brady here in Vegas if it's a possibility. Don't know if it's a possibility, but we can all guess together. And the quicker that Brady gets eliminated from the playoffs is the quicker the conversation is going to start about him potentially coming to Vegas. So let's see what happens there. I think Dallas has the better roster, the better team, but Tom Brady getting points at home. I know a lot of people are going to take a shot with Brady getting points for obvious reasons. 702-365-9200. And to wrap up this segment brought to you by Grimaldi's Best Pizza I've Ever Had. The Tua thing, there's more to this story. I sense it. I know it. I'm telling you, Miami has been shady as hell with Stephen Ross tampering with Tom Brady. He's been suspended for the year. The Brian Flores lawsuit. Miami is a shady run team. And I have a feeling there's a lot going on behind the scenes with Tua that Tua doesn't have control of with this concussion protocol. And Tua probably wants to play, and for whatever reason, they're parking him because they don't want more PR. And who could blame them? There's been a lot of bad PR around the Dolphins and Tua's concussions. Or they're right and I'm wrong, and they're protecting Tua because he seriously has concussion issues still, and they're looming, but we haven't heard that from Tua. My point is something big's going to come out of this story. I just don't know when. All right, when we come back, uh, more here on Raider Nation Radio, kind of a soft tribute to Derek Carr because nothing's official, but Derek looked pretty official when he said goodbye to the Raider Nation on social media today. Appreciate those calls coming in on Derek the impact that he had on your life, the organization, and Raider history right here on the flagship of the Silver and Black. Jacobs is a running back. Play action. Here's Carr looking left. Firing touchdown, jackpot, baby! Hunter Renfro first to score. Derek Carr sound bites today as Derek Carr says goodbye to the Raider Nation in an Instagram social media post. JT back with you, and we are brought to you by Remy Martin, one of our proud partners, great partner of ours. How excited are they? They have a one-minute commercial in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. This is great. Remy Martin, the biggest day, deserves the finest celebration. Can't wait to see what Remy Martin has in store. Remember, that commercial will air in the first quarter of the Super Bowl. We are so proud to be a partner with them in the past and going forward. As I bring in Johnny Katz from the Las Vegas Review-Journal. And, John, I see you at a lot of Raider games, so I know you know the Raiders yeah. and Derek Carr. And uh, kind of yeah. sad to see this. It ends with Derek Carr here in Vegas. Your thoughts? Well, yeah, it's uh, it's definitely the end of an era. This is the quarterback who came into uh, uh, Las Vegas with the team, you know, the first uh, and only starter we've, that we've had in Las Vegas with Las Vegas Raiders. So there's that. Um, it's interesting to, to get to this point, you know, after all the votes of confidence that the, the team and, and Mark Davis had given to, to Carr and all those rumors about going after Tom Brady when he was a free agent, and they stood by him through the whole thing. But it, it seemed to be kind of abrupt, you know, that it was like, okay, um, this season's over, and so is he. So... Um, it's a pretty clear statement, but, uh, yeah, uh, the, the hunt is on. It's, it's, it's going to be an interesting, uh, process, you know, which way that the team turns, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, he, he was the, the face of the team since it's, uh, uh, 
time in its time here in Las Vegas. Yeah, it's interesting for you, too, because you're the man about town and you see where all the celebrities are and you report on that. And Derek, Derek didn't get out much. He likes to golf. He's a family guy. He's got young kids. You didn't see him, you know, at nightclubs yeah. and you didn't see him all around town. That wasn't who he was. But, you know, everybody who does see him say, says he's great. He loves Las Vegas, built the big, has a nice home here, a big part of the community. And I know he does a lot behind the scenes. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, I never, and I saw, I never saw Derek Carr at an opening, a show opening, a reopening. You know, when we're going through COVID, any of that kind of thing at, at these, uh, you know, at the at club events, that kind of thing. He's go- he will be at uh, Church LD uh, this yeah. uh, Saturday. You know, he'll be there and he'll be talking there and uh, and uh, in in uh, Henderson. So you know, and that's the same church, by the way. You folks might remember that. Remember when Kanye uh, came out and released uh, the yes. sample of his song Donda? That's the same church. So this is no ordinary church, Church LV. They they go for the the, the big names, but um, yeah, I think uh, I, I I never did. I only talked to him one time, and that was right when the team got here, and we we're talking about the the quarterback situation. Now he planned to be in Las Vegas for a period of time. I remember him saying that. That was out at the uh, at Allegiant Stadium during the uh, during the uh, groundbreaking. So. Um, mm-hmm. I don't know. You know, we'll see. Yeah. The, the team is uh, in a real state of flux right now. John Katzalamidis, Johnny Katz joined us. So you know how much time I spent at Resorts World. I see you there often. David Blaine. I've been to Carrie mm-hmm. Underwood. I've seen all the shows there. The theater is incredible. How'd that deal come about with David Blaine? He is a pretty remarkable mu- uh, magician, even more so than that. How would you describe him? You know, the the deal came about. David Blaine um, had been a, uh, a well sought after headlining illusionist for years. You know, I, I remember there was talk about uh, Steve Wynn wanted to bring him in, and everybody who had a theater wanted David Blaine to come in and uh, perform a residency. He liked the uh, architecture of Resorts World a lot. He does a, mm-hmm. a, a number at the, at the beginning of the show where he drops 70 feet from uh, the upper level of that theater at Resorts World into some uh, U-Haul packing boxes. And you can't do that in many places other than arenas or, or a place like Resorts World Theater. And he doesn't want to tour. You know, he doesn't want to bring that show around the country. It's just it's very difficult to travel with it. So he found a pocket at Resorts World where he could, play, he could do that show and do what he wanted to on stage that way and do it a couple times a month over, you know, a, a couple of years. Mm-hmm. And he'll, he'll do it until uh, for the next two years. When he hits 52, he turns 50 this year. When he, when he hits 52, he's done. He said, I talked to him yesterday. He's not going to go past that. Uh, it's physically very demanding. That was the age Houdini was when he died. And, um, yeah, you can see on my Twitter page, by the way, that he sent me a video of him uh, piercing his hand on December seventeenth mm-hmm. with an ice pick. He does this thing where he conceals an ice pick under under bags and slams his, his hand down, and he lost track of where he was, and it, it caught him in the hand, and he had to go off stage for about a minute to to recover from that and treat it and finish off the show. But you know, it's a it's these are real things he does. You know, these sure. are real. Uh, human things and uh, but i'm looking forward to it i would like to see him i think i'm going to see him sunday night uh, and re- reconnect with him johnny katz is our guest from the review journal so ringo when you're a beetle and a beetle's coming to vegas man i love this tell us about ringo what he's doing as he's coming back to vegas i saw that in your column yeah, Ringo Starr had announced today that he's going to be at the Venetian, the Venetian Theater, as we say, uh, from May uh, May twenty fourth, twenty sixth, and twenty seventh this year. The tickets are going to be uh, on sale um, next week and um, uh, next Thursday. And yeah, Ringo has a long history in Las Vegas. He's played uh, he he's played uh, the uh, Planet Hollywood Theater. He's played mm-hmm. the um, uh, Reynolds Hall. 
he played uh, Planet Hollywood for eight shows back in 2017. He played Reynolds Hall the year before that. Uh, and opened um, the band its first year. They were at the Aladdin uh, Theater for Performing Arts back in 1989. And the Beatles played here in 1964 at the, at the uh, convention center, two shows uh, during their first U.S. tour. So he's got a lot of Las Vegas in him, and he's always enjoyed coming here. And uh, I, I led the column by saying a few years ago when I talked to him, he wanted to name the show The Golden Drums uh, to, to kind of parody Elton John's uh, residency at the time, which was The Red Piano. <laughs> the red piano, right. <laughs> <laughs> he said it'd be hard because it's just him. I need, we would need a, you know, golden instruments around him because you can't just have a show with just drums. But, um, anyway, yeah. So I'm, yeah, of course, you know, it's all peace and love. When you say peace and love to Ringo, you've got him. That's his message. And he plays his hits and he's got, you know, Steve, uh, Lukather, Colin Hay, Edgar Winter with him, um, Hamish Stewart, uh, Greg Bissonette, you know, great, mm. you know, A plus players with him in, in, in this, uh, in this lineup, so it's always he plays his songs, and then the guys from from their various bands play their hits. So As you know, I went to Liverpool. Work and, yeah, yeah, I went I went to Liverpool this past summer with my wife to see the Stones, and we went by Ringo's house, and it's really close to John Lennon's house. And when you're on the tour and you, you're at John Lennon's house, and then you look down the road and go, "Oh my God, there's Ringo!" and they have a mural of Ringo on the house he grew up with, and you could see that the Beatles didn't grow up too far from each other there in Liverpool, and they would walk to the real strawberry fields. It's really deep when you see it up close. I want to move on and also hear about the Imagine Dragons at Dolby Live during the convention. A lot of times Mm -hmm. people come here. These conventions, I was with a buddy last night at Virgin, and then he was with SAP, and we just had CES, and a lot of fans around the country don't realize, not only do our A-list performers perform concerts, but they do these private events for these global companies, so there's a lot of hidden gems in town when the conventions are here. Yeah, that's right, and Imagine Dragons kind of, this is the kind of the formal unveiling of the uh, Dolby Atmos sound system. You know, they renamed Dolby, uh, it was originally Park Theater at uh, Park MGM, and they're in a a partnership with Dolby with their sound system. So this is the first time they really trotted out the the sound system in a public way. They've used it before, but they really, you know, they brought it in. They wanted to have a, a band that could really put it to the test that was Las Vegas and uh, would would attract a crowd. So this was a, it was an invite only thing where they uh, it was for the Tyler Robinson Foundation, the band's charity uh, mm-hmm. for um, you know pediatric cancer um, uh, research and, and uh, uh, victims. And um, they performed um, just as they do. They are re- they're thing about Imagine Dragons is they they are known to be musically proficient every time out, and they're very anthemic. It's one anthem after another. Mm-hmm. So to hear those songs and see they had a great stage presentation, and, and you know, they just lay it out. They're kind of like Coldplay-esque, you know, that kind of band. And uh, it was a real thrill to see them, and it was all for a good cause, and that was it was tied into CES, so there are a lot of the representatives. I saw Giles Martin, speaking of the Beatles, who does all the Beatles music, he mm-hmm. was in the show. And uh, taking it in, and um, yeah, it was it was a thrill. And I'm I always hope that, that we have more of the Imagine Dragons and more of the Killers. Uh, Panic at the Disco is another one with Brendan Urie. They you know they mm-hmm. play a lot here, and uh, yeah, we have some bona fide rock stars coming out. No doubt days. about it. I was I, I played ping pong two nights ago with Frankie Sidoris, and so I, I, I know <laughs> the great <laughs> rock star. I was at his house playing <laughs> ping pong as he now owns the Hard Hat uh, downtown, which we both <laughs> like. With Frankie Fedora. Yes, that's a name drop <laughs> if there is one. The guitar player with Slash and Miles Kennedy, and now the guitar player, mm-hmm. the lead guitar player for Wolfgang Van Halen. So I yeah, can't wait exactly. to see what Wolfie co- goes around the world. Hey, before we run out, I just want to ask you also about the Raiders Entertainment. And 
I'm privy to it because when I'm in the building, I, I slide by my boss and I say, who's performing this week? And I'll see the chart and I'll, I'll get to what they're thinking of. It's mm-hmm. unbelievable the, what they're pulling yeah. off at Allegiant Stadium during a football game. Take our listeners behind the scenes of how elaborate this is and what they do to bring this type of entertainment during an NFL game to the entertainment capital of the world. Well, you have to stage the band and often at, at halftime and set them up beforehand. Now, you know, these guys are playing live. Like John Fogarty was playing live with his, his band. His sons were, uh, were with him on stage. And we know that this is not easy because the Super Bowl, which is the crown jewel of halftime shows, doesn't even try to plug in. They don't even try to plug in. The, the, it's, it's, always, it's always, you know, tracked. Uh, when Red Hot Chili Peppers, they wouldn't even pretend to plug in their instruments at halftime of the Super Bowl because it it's such a job to do that. But they do it at Allegiant Stadium. And, uh, yeah, they get that thing set up and they roll it out, whether it's, uh, you know, for Carlos Santana doing the national anthem or for, whether it's for Fogarty or Steve Aoki. I mean, we've had some major, uh, superstars play that. And then you have the band, the core band, the, uh, David Preakin Raiders house band as something like 19 pieces up there playing during the game. And folks, that is what they're doing is not easy. That those guys have to know how to play segments of songs that they've recharted, that they've had to rewrite. 30 seconds at a time, you know, in the air tonight, 45 seconds if you need it, just depending on what the situation is in the game. So, you know, Perico will get a, a, something in his ear saying, we need 30 seconds of Start Me Up, and they have to all play it right yeah. then at that length. And that, that is a job. So what they do is not only musically very impressive, but it's, it's logistically and technically very proficient. We're lucky to, in Las Vegas to have that, and I hope more NFL teams, you know, make that kind of uh, investment. I'm wondering if the new Nashville Stadium won't won't try that. Their setup is just like Allegiance with a bandstand in the end zone to 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 do that. But it's a you know big up. That's Mark Davis starts with him. You know he wants that. Yep, Johnny Katz. As we wrap it up, so last one here. I tweeted it out, and we follow each other on social media. This year, which is starting now will be the biggest year in sports in Vegas history. And we can keep saying that every year and and get away with it. But this year is the buildup for the Super Bowl in Vegas in 24. Mm -hmm. But it's the launch of F1. And F1's going to be here for years. But I don't think there's ever going to be anything bigger than the first one. Because, as you know, a lot of people haven't been able to wrap their head around it. So with this year, and I'm not even talking, NASCAR's massive. You know that's the largest attended sporting event Mm -hmm. every year here in Mm -hmm. Vegas. And then you Mm -hmm. add in the rodeo where I see at. So this year in Vegas, what you, the, the city, the mayor, the politicians, everyone, the, the strip corridor has got to be ready for what will be the biggest sports moment in the entertainment capital of the world, many of them. Yeah, no kidding. F1 is the one that I'm looking for because that's going to put – that's really going to be one that's going to put our uh, infrastructure to the test that first race. I, you're totally right mm-hmm. about it. But we're going to have the same conversation in 2024, and that will be the biggest year because the Super Bowl will be coming, and it uh, will be in Las Vegas. So, um, you know, it's become a sports uh, – it, it's a sports and entertainment mecca, and it, it's all about the capacity to host big events that that the major sports leagues have finally embraced after a long time of ignoring Las Vegas or being derisive toward it. They understand it now and what we can what we can produce here, whether it's been the NFL draft, you know, having the Pro Bowl here, Golden Knights, Aces, you know, go right down the line, major fights – Mm-hmm. Um, it, it has it's uh, passed the test every time out, so that that makes sense, you know. And here, yeah. and oh, by the way, here come the A's probably too, you know. <laughs> so 
we are we are a sports mecca. There's no doubt. Absolutely. About it. Thanks, my friend. Good to see you around town. I'll see you probably this weekend. I always love bumping into you, and I love when you come on the show. Thank you. Thank you, JT. Take care. Johnny Katz, John Katzalaminas. He's the entertainment reporter in Vegas. He goes everywhere. He has access to everything, and I just want to have him on. You know, every couple of weeks here in the off season to tell you what's happening if you're coming to Vegas because it's just crazy. And those who live here know this, but those from out of town, everybody always tells me, "What do I do in Vegas? What do I rep- recommend?" And my my nephew's coming in for his wedding bachelor party. He's 23, 24. If you're into the nightclub world, that's unbelievable, right? Zook, Hakkasan, Tao, that's all there. But the concerts are what I wait for. I don't go to a lot of shows. You know, I go every once in a while, my wife and I will go to Smith Center or we'll see a show. We love Beatles love, always love that show. Have a great time. But we wait for the concerts. We're season ticket holders. And when we see Allegiant Stadium with Metallica, Billy Joel, Elton John, that's when we go. It's go time. We love going to concerts. And then from time to time, someone will pop up with tickets or say, hey, you want to go in on this? Bruno Mars, Lady Gaga's in town, whatever it is. It's incredible to see concerts in this town because of the Dolby Theater, and what's going to happen when the sphere opens. When the sphere opens and U2's there, or Billy Joel, and those uh, concerts are going to emanate, and you're going to see the globe light up the sphere, what is that going to look like? And then F1 racing around the sphere. And then we're going to have the Super Bowl here. So we're going to the Super Bowl, QI, Damon. I think Vinny's going to be out there. We'll have teammates out there on all our channels out at the Super Bowl in a couple of weeks in Phoenix. And one of the main reasons why we're going out there with the Raiders and the podcast is to remind everybody on Radio Row in Phoenix that the next Super Bowl is in Vegas. And when we have the Super Bowl here in Vegas, it's going to be remarkable. So from November of this year with F1 to February of the following year, those couple of months are going to be crazy. Kickoff Classic, the Las Vegas Bowl, NASCAR, we have two races, including a playoff race, which is really important for NASCAR. And then all the other great events that are here with the Rebels, football and basketball. You got indoor lacrosse with Wayne Gretzky. You got soccer, big international soccer coming out here. It's just incredible to see. Just unbelievable to see that we can talk about all of that at this point in time. We got Mike in Staten, Italy. Mikey, good to hear from you. Good to see you a couple weeks ago. How are you, buddy? Hey, JT, doing well. There's a couple of topics you hit. My favorite venue for watching a concert, and, and it's surprising, I love watching the concerts at the Virgin Hotel. Mm-hmm. I just love the, the ambiance of that, uh, of that casino's theater. Love it. Uh, March 11th, the UFC are going to be fighting there. They're going to come out of the uh, apex, and they're going to have a fight night. I can't wait to see it. I know myself and you have saw some big boxing matches inside there. Just love that venue. AJT, real quick on Derek Carr. The day that reminds me of Derek Carr was, and, and, and with a tear in my eye, December 24th, 2016, we were going to win a Super Bowl. That was the day he broke his leg. We, we, everything was clicking, offense, defense. He was having that, you know, that miracle year. Mm-hmm. And, and that, you know, changed, changed Everything. our lives because he would have won the Super Bowl that year. I agree with you, Mike. You got to run. Good to hear from you. And right, I can't wait to go to fights with you again. Yeah, I was there with my son. We got on Air Bart and we went to the airport and it was silent the whole way when Derek broke his leg. Raiders won the game. Dead silence in the whole place. I knew everybody down in the locker room. Uh, my son and I walked to Air Bart, got on Air Bart and flew out home and we couldn't believe what we saw. 
That's a big memory. It was a negative memory, and, and Derek really had to fight through that. Uh, Fish in Berkeley. Fish, wrap it up. Appreciate you calling in today. What's happening? Hey, Happy New Year, uh, JT. I really appreciate you. And I just want to say a couple things about DC4. Number one, this man put in work for the silver and black attack. Whether you like him or not, this dude put in work, and he should be recognized. And I just want to say, even though he didn't get us to the promised land, the lore that he adds to the silver and black's legacy will live on through the spectacular wins and comebacks he helped orchestrate. Once a Raider, always a Raider. Well, Raiders, let's go. Yeah, you know, for Derek, and uh, when Derek, you don't have to hang up on us. You can just put the phone down. Uh, with Derek, as we wrap up this tribute show, we tried to do something unique today, which was do the whole show on Derek. We moved out a lot of guests. We wanted to get cats in here for obvious reasons. But I'll say this as we wrap up the show. This is not a goodbye to Derek Carr at all. We will see Derek Carr in the future. You know, we've said goodbye to legendary Raiders over the years. This is not one of those. But Derek put out a statement today on social media, and I thought it was appropriate to react to it and to hear from you. And everybody did a wonderful job. And I think Derek knows that, that the majority of the Raider Nation love him, respect him, and want he and his family and his children to do well. He'll be back at some point because he's part of this organization. And you can hear him with the exclusive interviews I do, once a Raider, always a Raider. We talked to guys who played four or five games for the team or one season, and we talked to all the legends. And someday, I hope I'm still here, where I can interview Derek Carr on Once a Raider, Always a Raider and talk about the success he's had after the Raiders and the success he's currently having in his life. He's a good man. Good man. And again, we'll still talk about Derek. He's the biggest story in the news. We'll do it tomorrow for a little bit on the trade value if the Raiders get a dance partner for that deal. Thanks to Bobby. Thanks to Johnny Katz. Thanks to everybody. Good show tomorrow lined up. We're off on Monday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday next week as I'm heading out to Florida to see my folks. And then it's our countdown to the Super Bowl as we're taking the show on the road to the Phoenix Convention Center and the Super Bowl out in Glendale. Q's on deck as always. He always has a big show. I'll see you back tomorrow. Have a great night, everybody. Thanks for listening. Good to go? All right, travel safely home.